This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. And uh, this is, uh, you normally catch us in the pub, but this is the first time this season, or probably the first time ever, we've actually done a a portable podcast. We're doing a podcast en route back from the match, because we thought we might as well catch the vibe on the way back from Wolverhampton. So this is the M40 podcast. 75 miles an hour, because of course my man doesn't speed. We've got Nick at the wheel, and we've got the boys. I know, but you know, there's a there's a 10% tolerance, you know, in in most speed speedometers. So anyway, we're down the motorway, doing the podcast. I've got the boys in the car with me. I'm Billy Grant. I'm very happy, and I've got my man Martin the Dutchman. How you doing, Martin? I'm very good, thanks, Billy. Very happy, enjoying a very civilized celebratory journey. Cool, and I've also got Nick Carthew, Liberal Nick. Nick, everyone all right? Yeah, fine. If I sound a bit distracted this evening, it's because I'm trying to concentrate on the road and not, not break the speed limits. But yeah, fine. That's his excuse. You know, you, you can think anything else what you want to, but he's, that is his excuse that he's giving. And also, Dave Lane, how are you doing? I'm all right, mate. I'm in the back seat with a back seat posse, me and you, keeping, keeping your hands to yourself. I'm, I'm pleased to say. That's right. I'm, I'm, yeah, the, the, the white line has been drawn in the, mid, the old, in the middle of the, the car. Old, we've got that old elbow rest between us just to make sure that there's no... No skullduggery going on. No, that, that, that's right. You know, absolutely no skullduggery. So look, it's been a it's been a bit of a strange week because we've got a game right in the middle of the week on a Wednesday. We're not used to that. Normally it's a Tuesday, so it's smack bang in the middle of the week. So we have to think all, all the way back to Saturday to see what has happened. And there's been quite a lot happening this week for you, the Dutchman. What has really caught your eye this week? The stunning news that Ule Rosler's on his way back to Brentford to save us from ourselves. I don't actually say that with a wry smile. Is that with a wry smile because you don't actually believe it's going to happen? It is a very, very wry smile. I certainly hope it's not going to happen. Um, I doubt for one minute it's true, but it's a good conversation piece, if nothing else. Um, Nick, shows just how far we've come, really. Nick, I mean, Uwe Rosler on his way back. Uh, what's your thoughts? 
Thank you, Uwe, but one never goes back. One should never go back in life. What caught my eye was thinking that that lucky, lucky, lucky bastard, Steve Evans, picking up the Leeds United job. I mean, if ever there was a man made for that mad chairman of Leeds United, Steve Evans is the guy. Um, and I almost felt sorry for some of the Leeds fans tonight, uh, or t this week, because of that appointment. Um, How long it was? I mean, nicely, nicely segue from uh, Uwe Rosler into Steve Evans and uh, some people might say that you know they've been laughing at Leeds and Leeds have been getting quite a lot of stick you've seen lots of Leeds fans also being very very upset that they've taken Steve Evans on as manager but then there's a flip side to that that you know if you look at his record yeah most people hate him but, that, but he, he hasn't done half bad with the teams that he's had over the past few years not saying that we want him as a manager but that, that has got to be said though isn't it? I'm not criticising his footballing record. What I'm criticising are the other records that Steve Evans has. And him and combined with, and you can say it, the tax dodging that Maximino, uh, Massimo Cello has, has indulged in and has been banned by the Football League from being chairman of the club for. The, the two of them deserve each other. Whether Leeds United deserve the two of them, well, that's a matter that Leeds fans can discuss on their own podcasts. OK, and you're one person who was absolutely gutted that you couldn't uh, scream and shout at Steve Evans last Saturday, but it looks like you might, depending on how long he's going to be in the job, get the chance to do it himself. Now, Mr Dave Lane, sitting in the back here as well, well you got your finger up like you're at school, and I don't allow you to speak. Dave, what's been taking your mind and your thoughts these past few days? Well, just, just on the last last thing about Steve Evans, he, he said it's like a fairy tale job, but, you know, you've got Widow Twanky in the in the fairy tale job. He's a, he's, he's a pantomime manager, and um, I just, I, I do feel a bit sorry for Leeds. What's caught my eye? Was not, nothing really caught my eye as such, but what's, what's caught my mind is after two straight wins, um, the world does seem a better place again. It seems like um, sanity and some calmness is returning to our, our world. Um, I know it doesn't make us like championship contenders overnight, Bill, but um, you know, six points and just, just you can breathe a bit of a sigh of relief. We've got players coming back now from injury, hopefully. Things are going to hopefully start to get a little bit better and um, I just you know I really 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 hope that the worst of the season's behind us now I hope the worst of the season's behind us as well and I mean I'd have to bring up the thing that, that's come to my mind as well is the fact that um, I was in I, was, I had a, a meeting in King's Cross yesterday and I bumped into a couple of um, Bayern Munich fans and it made me realise that there were a lot of Germans that came over 3,000 Germans that came over and I have to say total respect to the Germans they have a system over in, in, in Germany which really respects football fans where they don't price them out of the game they're fantastic. They've got teams that do very well in their leagues, but still they charge them 15, 10, 15, 12, 15, maybe 18 pounds to get into games. And they're absolutely disgusted at being charged 64 pounds to go into Arsenal. So they had a demonstration outside the ground. Then they came in five minutes into the ground. The ones who were inside remained silent till they came in in total solidarity. Football fans demonstrating in solidarity, which I've got respect for with Germans. And uh, they actually did a job, which to be quite honest with you, a lot of football fans over here should do a little bit more I think and they really they got the headlines today their posters are up and I just thought tip me out to the Germans they came over to England and basically showed us up for the game that we are where too many people still accept the fact that £30 even 30 we pay £28 at Wolves some people say it's alright but it's not really £28, £30, £35, £40 is okay to go to football no it's not so well on Germany show us up we need to get behind fans a little bit more I'm getting off the soapbox now because we did win a game today and we also won a game on Saturday Saturday. 
But we're not going to talk about this now. Let's go back to hear what the fans had to say about the game at the weekend because we had quite a lot of happy bees over these last two games. I thought Rotherham were a poor team and I thought the three points was more important today than the performance. I like the way he set the team up. I thought Swift done well for his first game. I thought he played well. He done some nice runs, especially in the first half. Canos maybe might be better as an impact player. I like the way he played McCormack as a holding midfielder. He done lots of fouls and sort of got in people's faces. I thought we were nervous. And I don't think it was a particularly good performance. But I think the three points was more important than the performance today. Still not sure about a few players like the Ginger Messi and that. I don't know if he'd done enough today to prove himself. Jurisin look poor up front. If we can ground out, grind out a few results over the next couple of games, get us up the table a bit. I'm happy with that. I know it's not the quality we enjoyed last year, but through injuries and through the sales of players and people leaving, Pritchard, etc. You've just got to take it as it is, haven't you? You know, it wasn't the best. Um, the last half an hour is probably what we'll remember, um, which is a little bit unfortunate. Uh, but I thought there were a few green shoots in the first half. It, we definitely played with more fluidity than I think we have done under Carsley previously. Um, we went to a system that was not dissimilar to last year, um, and I think probably both. The, you know, you could argue the goals we scored were not dissimilar to goals we scored last year either. I was talking to the guy in the pub afterwards about ugly win and I think that pretty much sums it up really um, in terms of the actual football that we played nothing like I was watching six months ago but three points was what was mad no I'm not worried no I think um, I think it's a transition stage I think to be honest any time of the year any 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 point in the season you play Rotherham it's going to be an ugly game um, that's just the nature of the of the beast tactically brilliant spot on performance Wolves were never a threat today I really thought they were poor but we did what we needed to do it was great performance didn't look like conceding so on to Charlton and then Rangers you play play this first off. Second off is a bit better, but not very clever. That was closing down. We wore closing yellow down, and that's what it was. And then we was just anywhere. His formations wrong. His his bloody tactics are wrong, and he's playing blokes out of position. Yeah, they've got some good players, Brentford. Yeah. They always have when they come that down here. They've always been well organised. It was it was a team that suddenly had a little bit of confidence and wasn't. Afraid to uh, pass it around nicely. I would like to have seen a few more shots on goal, but hey, I'm not complaining about that at all. You know. And the Hoff finally got his act together. Well, that was the best performance by a mile all season. We absolutely dominated the midfield. We played really, really well. The back four played like a back four, and you can't fault any of the players. Too many Chiefs and not enough Indians beforehand. Yeah, now Carsley's got hold of them, told, them what, told the players what he wants them to do. They could do it. They're just playing as a team again. The diehards arrived, <laughs> got behind the team, the team performed and well-deserved, well-deserved. The biggest uh, thing I've noticed the last two games is the passing is going forward. Yeah. The passes are not being messed about around across our penalty box, Tarkey and, and Darley. The, the passes are going forward with, with Ginger and and uh, Swift, they're, they're going forward with the ball. Well, that's a big difference. And running at, at the, at the defence. So those were the fans' thoughts after both the Wolves and the Rotherham game. Like I said, 
a six out of six points we got out of that, so a lot of happy fans. I mean, we could talk about this probably for half the car journey now, but let's try and see if we can drill it down. I mean, Dutchman, that, that Rotherham game, we did very well. We did what we had to do. Maybe it wasn't pretty. What was your one thought about that match? I thought it was job done, Billy. The main thing was that we won that game. Um, we did that. It was efficient. There was a few signs of... Um, getting the team back together and getting to learn. I think the break did us good. That's a step in the right direction, and that's obviously led on to tonight's game and the improved performance that we'll talk about later. So a step in the right direction is the main thing for me from that game. Nick, uh, I think, as I said on the podcast after the game, um, I was a bit disappointed with the way that we played. Um, and on reflection, uh, I think we were a bit lucky um, to, to come away with the win. But a win's a win, and over the course of a season, we, you know, we'll, we'll win some and we'll lose some games that maybe we deserve to draw. So, all in all, like Dutch, I'm happy that perhaps we are getting back to where we might should be this season. Dave, I mean, you mentioned the three points was the most important thing about that last game. You know, that Rotherham game in particular, we needed to get the three points to get us back on track, and the performance was secondary to, to that. Now, I'm going to say to you, though, is... I mean, your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, you know, it was, it was functional, and it, it was, but it, what it did, it facilitated tonight. It, it allowed us to, it was like, it allowed us to move from some a team that was short on confidence and was just desperate for a win into one tonight that believed that they could win. And I think if it wasn't for the Rotherham win, we wouldn't probably have played with as much confidence and, and, and belief. I think the team that went out of Molyneux tonight absolutely believed that they were they were capable of. of of getting getting a, a, at least a draw, and the way the game panned out with Wolves being pretty impotent, I, I could I only thought they had one really really dangerous chance, which they should have scored. They should have levelled it at one all in the second half. Apart from that game, now apart from that one chance, I thought it was reasonably comfortable considering you know Wolves are you know a, a, a quite strong attacking force. They are at home in front of their you know, vociferous crowd, and I think you know we. we 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 kept the ball well, um, and you know it, it was it was the Brentford of last season. It's still we're still a long way from getting to the, uh, the heady heights, but you know it was a massive step forward, and that was because we won against Rotherham. Interesting. Look, we've we've come to this situation. We've won two games in a row, and all of a sudden we start to feel a lot more confident as players. You can see it on the pitch, and as fans, uh, people were very quick to sort of disregard Brentford, disregard the setup, disregard the manager, disregard all sorts of stuff that's going on. But what's interesting now is that we've seen that we played the game today and we were better than Wolves. Hands down, we were better than Wolves. So we actually deserve to be somewhere in this league, which at least would probably be mid-table. There's a lot of teams that are worse than Brentford now. So it, what, what I think what I'm trying to say is that the elements are obviously there. We need to kind of get the organisation and that back into the team to actually get us up to the heady lights we were before. Yeah, and, and the other thing I'm seeing as well is, you know, if you look back to last year in the build-up to the, um, the game against Fulham, um, you know, we, we, we played Forest and we played Derby and all of a sudden one, one win would become two and two wins would become three and then we've beaten Fulham, which hopefully you can read Charlton and Queen's Park Rangers this year and all of a sudden you've got this like really unlikely, unexpected winning run and you, you see that it gets propelled up you get propelled up the division. I'm not saying, you know, we're not, I'm not counting the chickens. I'm not saying we definitely will get three, but we're going, we're going to a really, really weak Charlton team on Saturday.
Saturday, which we should be confident of getting something from. And then we've got an absolute showdown at Griffin Park against Queen's Park Rangers, where you hope that they rise. So, you know, we, we, we could we could be looking at a really nice little sequence. And then with the players coming back, you never know you never know where that takes you. You know, that, that it's to say it doesn't go backwards. But you know, at the moment we're moving in the right direction, and there's no reason I don't think to suggest that we can't win a third or maybe a fourth, or, or even if we remain unbeaten in those four, that's still a huge step forward. It's interesting, and you know, if you compare it to last season, we haven't had the time because we haven't done the full um, preparation for this podcast beforehand because it's come across us very quickly. So we haven't got the facts and figures as to maybe where we are now, as to where we were last season, the points that we've got and the position. But one thing I do remember is round about this game now was roughly the time when we played um, both Wigan and then Sheffield Wednesday when we drew nil all to Wigan then we drew nil all to Sheffield Wednesday last season and then after that I think a few things happened then it was until November which we clicked into gear so it, it kind of looks like maybe there's a similarity between this season and last season where we're actually clicking into gear maybe at the right time probably the, the next two games will show Nick well, what I, what I have noticed, actually, and the Rotherham game and the game tonight, is that I think the team is getting fitter. Um, tonight, particularly, we played a pressing game. Um, we kept, kept Wolves on the back foot, particularly in the first half. Um, and, yeah, all the 11 players, well, 13 players that, that, that came on the pitch tonight for Brentford all ran and put a real good shift in and didn't run out of puff and energy. So something of the work on the training field and in the fitness uh, centre is obviously paying off and I think that's going to be helpful to us as we approach the winter as well. Yeah, I echo that and uh, the biggest plus for me tonight was the way we started. We literally came at them from the kickoff. I mean, there was belief in the team and therefore in the fans literally within the first 10 seconds that we were up for this game and we pressed pressed forward, started getting the passing together. Perhaps not quite as uh, attacking as previously, but low risk passes, keeping possession, putting it together, players starting to get to know each other, you know, a bit more of a consistent team. Um, would have helped as it helped us in previous seasons so I thought the way we got started we put Wolves on the back foot they weren't expecting that probably uh, about as much as we weren't expecting it either it was a bit of a surprise all round and Wolves never got going after that as Billy says other than one chance that they fluffed in the second half they really weren't in it I think what's interesting as well is, um, and we've talked about this quite a lot, is the organisation. Um, there's been sort of kind of flutters and words and coming out from the back that the, a the team wasn't fit enough, and this has been discussed. This is not like any secret, but you know, I think they thought that the fitness machine wasn't good for the players, whatever they were going through from pre-season. It's almost like we're having to play catch-up now on the fitness front. And from what I know, I'm not a football person. What I can understand is when you're out there and you're unfit and also you're trying to play to a particular type of system it makes it quite hard to do so they're obviously having to play very much catch up on the fitness for a start and the second thing is this organisation thing because we looked at them today and this is the Wolves game and they just look very organised you could see that everyone seemed to know what they were doing and if you reflect that back to some of the games this season it almost seemed like people it reminded me some of the early Uwe Rosler days where when Uwe Rosler was trying to get us to play the ball out from the back and then he was doing that you could see that sometimes the players didn't know what to do 
doing. They were kicking it up there and they were kicking the ball to Bean and Bean was losing it and hoofing it up to Donaldson and all sorts of nonsense that was going on. And it seemed very much like that scenario where we kind of didn't really understand and didn't get to grips with whatever tactics or whatever system we were trying to play. And it just seems that we've got a situation where the players feel a little bit more comfortable. They know what's going on. They've had a few weeks of actually just being told maybe what to do. And it, and it, and it seems to have paid off. The other point about fitness is that, uh, again, like you, Billy, I'm not a footballing person, but I led to believe that if you're not fit, you're likely to be more prone to injury. Um, and given the injuries that we did suffer at the beginning of this season, hopefully we can see um, fewer of those as uh, the players become fitter in their own right. That's exactly the same thing as, as the guys are just saying. The fitness makes you confident. The confidence then turns into results. And once you've got two wins, you know, we're now looking at three wins, four wins. Um, should we be expecting that to happen? I don't know. There's, there's a long way to go. We weren't perfect tonight for people who weren't there. You know, but it's a massive step in the right direction. There's still the same old errors. You know, we could cut and paste from previous podcasts and talk about balls over the top of the centre-halves, <laughs> full-backs getting too tight for the man. But we've, but we've had that, not even this season, we've had that last season under, under Mark Warburton, who, you know, everyone's, you know, sort of that had a, a fantastic season last season. So it's, it's not something new there. It's, it's not. And the, the difference is you scored two goals tonight, and that's, that's what matters. You know, to go 1-0 up early on rather than 1-0 down changes the whole complexion when you see other teams having to press us for the equaliser rather than us with heads dropped and pushing men forward and then those mistakes. You know, if, if you're going to score two goals away from home, you've got a good chance of winning. So, so I've got a question, Dave. I mean, Lee Carsley, we know we know about him from his playing days and this, but we know nothing really about him and it seemed that he was shoehorned a little bit into this job. It seems. Maybe that's probably the wrong impression that was given across, but that's what it seems. And he had a couple of, couple of, couple of weeks where... People are a little bit like, what's going on here? If he doesn't want the job, you know, just, you know, just, just let him go, let somebody else come in. But does it look like Carsley's now actually kind of being able to make the team his own and, and we need to just kind of lay off him, let him do his thing? Yeah, I think we do need to lay off him. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sort of in the pro or anti camp, to be honest with you. Like, we're, you know, we need to get behind him. I said this last week, you know, we, we're, we, we are where we are and um, he, he seems to have us really well organised and well set up tonight at the Wolves. Um, we he, he, he put out an attacking, attack-minded team um, for, for Rotherham, and they didn't, we didn't probably, we probably weren't as attacking and um, as uh, kind of as uh, um, adventurous and uh, buccaneering as he probably might have wanted, or as hoped as we might have been against Rotherham. But we still got the point. So yeah, it looks like he's putting his stamp on, on this team, and he's used the international break to, to think how he wants the, the team set up. You know, um, you know, we can't forget that you know. Well, I think I think we ought to just move on from what he said after the Birmingham game. Um, but you know, he did start off with two defeats, um, which you know it, it, that that looked like we were you know going to be in free fall. But we've pulled it together, um, so we do have to get behind him. And, and I, I think until things change, yeah, we, we have to give him our full backing. So just flipping the script here a little bit now, we had the new Brentford players out there doing the business against Wolverhampton, getting the three points, but also there's some old Brentford players out there, players who some of us, they sit in our hearts because they've done some fantastic things when they were at Brentford back in the day. So I decided to, to, to commission a poster with four Brentford players, Terry Herlock, we've got Evans on there. We've got Lloyd Awusu and we've got Dean Holdsworth. Four players on there. Special print. There's only a limited amount of copies of this 
30 are out there at the moment now. Um, quite a few of them are gone at the moment now, but there's still some available if you want to get them on besotted.co.uk. Anyway, we tweeted this out. We just said to people, if you want to get hold of this print, Brentford Legends, go and check it out. And we got this interesting tweet from this writer, this guy called David Winera. And his question was, are all former footballers legends now? Of course, we did the old question mark. said, you know, what are you talking about, mate? You know? And he's come back to us and he said, the word legends is reserved for players, or used to be reserved for players, remembered and revered everywhere. People like Pele or Puskas or Maradona. You know? But now he says, it's now just widely overused. The bigger the club, the worse it is. At Arsenal and Man United, every old player is a legend. Then the conversation went on and he started to basically just kind of like laugh at the fact that we had Holdsworth as a legend and Herlock as a legend and, and all these players as legends. He said, no, they're not legends. It's only Pele or possibly Bergkamp. These players are legends and nobody else can be. Now, we're a bit confused because, first of all, we thought it was Brentford legends, but then it led us, led us to think, is that, how right is this guy? Are we actually allowed to call players legends if they actually are not legendary status like somebody like Puskas or, or does every club allowed to have I mean Dutchman I, mean, I spoke to you about this and you you, you just poo-pooed it didn't you that's ah, so a lot of old nonsense I mean, legends you were talking Brentford legends not historical legends world legends but I think you know, I'd even put forward the fact that it's probably the opposite these days I mean I, I actually dislike the fact that the large majority of players who come back to clubs now get booed and abused when they come back you know it's nice to have one or two that you hold on to um, revere and look up to as heroes you know it's nice to see the status that's given to someone like Jay Tab when he comes back you know hunting with a tongue in cheek over the long bit so yeah that's important you, every club needs to have its its players he looks back on fondly whether you call them heroes or legends um, he's, he's by the by um, of course every club's got legends and the ones on the, the very uh, excellent besotted prints personify that 100% Nick I mean I've got to ask a question, though, and I'm going to be devil's advocate. Doesn't he have a bit of a point? I mean, a legend, there is, you know, when you talk about Greek legends, and there's people with a certain type of status, and aren't we at a stage where we're just kind of just, like, basically shoving everybody off as being a legend because they're a bit of a kind of a bit of a gang or they stand out from the crowds? I think if you were to look up the word legend in the Oxford English Dictionary, um, the, the guy probably has a point. Is that you know you can't you can't have you can't have a hundred hundred thousand different legends if every football club in every across the world has their own <laughs> has their own group of legends. But you know the word is not overused when it comes to playing people like Terry Herlock and Dean Holdsworth. But of course that it's also we're talking about legends of a certain generation. Um, and what it is up to the players who are performing out on the pitch of Brentford this season is to turn themselves into Brentford legends. Um, and I think it will be interesting to look back in uh, 30 years' time and wonder who will, uh, what will Besotted be producing as a poster? Who were the legends who uh, started their careers at Brentford in the 2015-16? And I'm going to come back to that question in a minute. I mean, for me, Dave, and when we were having this to and fro with this guy, David Duenera, you'll see him on Twitter, D-W-I-N-N-I-E-R-A, I think it is, on Twitter. And, like, you know, we're thinking he's being a bit pedantic because, for me, I'm a Brentford fan, been a Brentford fan for 30, 35 years. Yes, I love Pelé, I think he's wicked. I'm Burkham, I think he's wicked. 
but at the end of the day is that there's certain players that do and did it for me at a time and those players mean much more to me even though I think I can really acknowledge Pelé and I think he's really wicked and he's done a lot especially for black football which, which is very important for me for black footballers to come through and actually be real kind of role models for, for us when we were small so that's very important for me but also being a Brentford fan there were players that for me I really did idolise and I thought they were fantastic and, 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 and really took Brentford to a level even when we were only sort of kind of fourth or middling third division they still represented and they did things for me which really made me feel that they were legendary in my head and in my mind and if they were put on the pitch beside Pelé I'd probably be more overawed by them than I would be by him for different reasons not because they're a better footballer because he's a much better footballer but just because of what they did for my club Dave I think he was massively disrespectful to Brentford and Brentford fans and Brentford players um, he's, he seemed full of self-importance and just properly up his own arse um, trying to be clever for clever's sake unfortunately you know there's a lot of people that think just because they can write and um, express themselves on the internet that people really enjoy what they write um, you know, uh, you know, what a dull world this man must live in if you're kind of trying to look for the ultimate definition, the true definition of ever, any superlative. If someone's ever put in a, in a match report, that was an excellent quality. No, it wasn't really excellent. It wasn't truly excellent. Excellence can only be defined <laughs> by someone who's like, this absolute bollocks, you know. He, the, these players that we've put on the poster, they just, almost 500 people voted for these players to be on the poster, which I, I thought was phenomenal in itself. Um, and these players really did go the extra mile for Brentford. They, they wore the Brentford badge with pride. Um, that's not a cliche. They did, um, and you know they they fully deserve a, to, to be lauded or to be championed or to be singled out as as Brentford legends. Yeah, no, they, they're not. They're not legends of the world game. Who, who's no, no one's saying they are, but they are. They're Brentford legends, and every club um, has got a community of fans, and every club has got a community of players and ex-players, and and within that lot, there's some that really stand out, and there's some that need to be remembered, whether that's Carlisle United, whether that's Torquay United, whether that's Brentford, Aldershot, Cambridge, Man United or Liverpool, each set of fans has got some players that mean something special to them and they are legends and I don't care what this bloke thinks. Okay, and it's interesting, and I'm going to sort of draw another parallel as well, it's a song which is very, very popular on the terraces and I actually love this song, very simple song, but why I like it is that because every single club sings it, but they sing it with such meaning because they really do believe it and it's a song where by far the greatest team the world has ever seen and that could be Man United or Arsenal or Man City or Accrington Stanley or Dulwich Hamlet or Lewis right and the fans sing it but they actually really do mean it because they believe it's the world the, 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 by far the greatest team to them. yeah and to them and that's what's important now I can see this David Winera guy now coming around so well actually you're not the greatest team at all I mean the greatest team in the world is like you know is the is the Bolivian team of 1958 who played in the you know the Paz Cup so and you're like what are you talking about you know you don't really get what this football fandom thing is all about it's about you and what is important to you and your team and the things that make you happy and to me um, there's a real parallel between that and, and, and the legend thing and you know I love to, to go to as we know we love to go to away games before the match 
go inside the local, talk to the local fans and all that because we'd like to do that. Speak to Bit about yeah, but I know. Oh, you're not oh, allowed to speak to the are you? Sorry, God. actually, sorry, that was a lie. I don't do that. Anymore. So we talked to the away fans and to find out, tell you something. You know, we love Terry Erlock. You know, he's your big legend. Now it was, you know, and they'll tell you. I mean, we had some Wolves fans today told us about some legendary Brentford player that they signed back in the 50s. I had no idea. You know, so this kind of thing is more important to them than Puskas and all this kind of stuff. Um, Nick. Yeah, and my point as well is that you are, you are a club, you are loyal to your club, and you know you can spot legends of world football, but there will be legends and heroes at your club, and that's why I'm very happy to endorse the Vasotic legends. And listen, I'm just going to go around because obviously we've had this poster done up. You can get it besotted.co.uk, Brentford Legends. You've got the Herlock, you've got the Evans, you've got the Iwusu, and you've got the Holdsworth on there. Very limited edition. But modern day legends, because what you notice is that we actually start to put our mind back to think, you know, who is who are legends? And if you imagine the amount of players that Brentford actually have had over the time that I've supported them, which is not even hundreds, it's been thousands of players, to be quite honest with you, there actually aren't that many players that you put into that legendary status. And I'm just wondering, Dutchman, maybe over the past, you know, since that era now, what other players can you think of, you know, name whichever one that comes on top of your head, you think have been legends or legendary? It depends on your definition, doesn't it? I mean, if you gain longevity, there's going to be less and less of those due to the nature of football. So someone like Kevin O'Connor clearly stands out in terms of commitment to the club. Was he the best player to play for Brentford? No, he very regularly wasn't the best player in the team. But, you know, to play 500-plus games, that's, that's the sort of thing that also warrants a status that this guy clearly hasn't got a clue about. Nick, I mean, have you got any legends that, you know, since that era, has anyone come to mind? I mean, it seems to be less and less players. Is, is it the fact that maybe because players actually stay at clubs a lot less time, you know, they might only be there for, you know, two or three seasons at the most, if, if you're lucky? Well, I think that's right. I mean, I, I agree with Dutch. Is I think Kevin O'Connor is, is, is a club legend and will deserve to be on uh, a future print of the, the, the poster. Uh, Alan Judge might turn into a legend for us if he sticks around. Um, you know, he scored the goal that sent us up, and Alan he could well Judge. score the goal that sent us up again. So stick around, Alan. Stick around for two or three, four years, and you too could find yourself on a poster in a few years' time. Uh, we're going to, we're going to, yeah, we're, well, we're going to Kevin O'Connor. We're going to do some plates, aren't we? We're going to have some plates made, Kevin O'Connor plates. I think yes. that's a, um, and uh, probably the next, the, 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 the one that's got the most potential for legends is um, probably Tumani. If he scores the goal that sends us up to the Premier Division, <laughs> or if he scores a goal that beats QPR on Friday week, I reckon he may attain legendary status. Above all these other players. Well, ab above Pele, probably. Yeah. And the thing is, I'll tell you something, if Tamani scores against QPR, and, I'm on the pitch. and there's about 10,000 people on the pitch, and no one understands why. I'm going to do my six points if he does that. There's that as well. But we also, we'll, we'll invite Rhaenyra on this podcast now for him to try and explain to us why Tumani isn't a legend because I think with us we might even have to have a phone in. Well, I think you need to explain to Tumani face to face why he's not a legend. <laughs> Indeed. But listen, this is our legendary track now. Look, we're going to have a little think forward and have a look forward to the game at the weekend. We've got a big game against Charlton who aren't doing too well at the moment now. So let's have a look forward to the Charlton game. So, big game on Saturday. Six-pointer again 
I can't believe it's October and it's our second six-pointer of the season already. We're back to the Valley, south-east London. Last time we went there, we had a bit of a shocker. We were on a bit of a run, and they railroaded our season somewhat. But now, Bees, after a couple of terrible games, are back on track. And we're going back to south-east London. I've got Mr Dave Thompson on the line. He's a bit despondent about Charlton at the moment now. How are you doing, Dave? Oh, not too good, I'm afraid. You, you sound a bit down. Come on, mate, pick yourself up. What's, what's, going, what's going on with Guy Luzon, Charlton, the Belgian, <coughs> the Belgian thing? I mean, you were all over this Belgian thing. You thought it was going to be a revolution in south-east London. Are you not too sure now? Oh, no, the Belgian thing's OK. Well, at least we know we won't go down. That's, that's, uh, that's Charlton are coming into this game. You haven't won a game in nine. I mean, what's the problem? You're not scoring goals, you're letting in too many goals. Are the tactics out of state? What's, 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 what's happening? There's a number of things it could be. I'm not 100% sure. Last time we had a run of games where we just didn't stop losing, it was because we later found out it was because there were, the players had fallen out with the manager, or certain players had fallen out with the manager. And he'd, the, the manager had lost the dressing room. So that could be, in my mind, that's probably the number one reason. So it's gone on behind the scenes we don't know about because we were playing very well, and suddenly we are, you know, playing awfully. The manager's saying there's a lot number of players who have been out, and they're coming back, so that one would help, but, you know, players we've got on the pitch seem pretty good on the whole. Don't really know. But the only other thing I can think of is that we've got, we, we, perhaps we're playing a bit negatively. Um, the last time that we, we had a re result was two, two, a two-to-two-all draw. And uh, I don't really like, personally, I don't like Barr in the middle. He's a very good player, but he, he's, very, he's very negative in the sense that he's moved sideways. And I think that's destroyed our way of playing. Possibly. I mean, it sounds quite similar. I mean, obviously, we've had a lot of problems this season. We've had a manager that came in, a manager that's gone. Um, things, you know, didn't go particularly according to plan at the beginning of our season. Uh, we, we were maybe accused of being maybe a little bit at times too ta overly tactical, maybe a little bit too negative. We did things at the time which we didn't do last season. We didn't go out in the attack. We used to pass the ball but sideways and backways. And, uh, and maybe, you know, there's a similarity between Brentford and Charlton and the way that they set up. And, you know, maybe there is a bit of caution with, with, with Guy Luzon. But you've got some good players there, don't you? We've got some very good players. I don't know. Maybe they've lost, lost the dressing room. The other, the other explanation could be, not lots of possible explanations, but the other explanation could be that um, he's had a good run of, of first games with other teams, and, and now he's, beginning, he's been around now a while. He's beginning to play teams again. And it's often the case, isn't it, where a new manager comes in and plays, does very well, or a new team comes up to the, to the league or the premiership or the championship, they have a, a run of their first games where they win because the, because the teams they're facing, the managers they're facing, are not really, um, I'd say, with the way they play. It's all been too, it's, it's a different, different situation. So in effect, you think you might have basically been found out, you think? Uh, yeah. Okay, so Saturday's coming. I mean, Brentford have had two back-to-back -back wins now. We beat Rotherham. wasn't a great side. It was quite tough for us that we beat them, but when we had a really emphatic win against Wolves on, on Wednesday night, where we actually, you know, pretty much wiped the floor with them, and Wolves looked pretty terrible, and we made them look terrible. I know you lost to Preston, who we played a few weeks ago. We beat them, and very much surprised us that, that you lost to Preston as well. I mean, with the Bees coming up now, how do you think it's looking on Saturday? Because last season, you turned us over, didn't you? Yep. 
We need to win. We really need to win. Big time. So it's probably a much bigger game for us than it is for you because if we don't win this one, then he, he, I can, can't see the manager surviving much longer if we don't win. Um, and if we do win, then you know the season turns around. But it, I don't know. It, it strikes me the most, the most likely reason why we're not playing well is because I think something's gone on behind the scenes. And, and also, I mean, I know you said earlier that Charlton can't go down. I mean, wasn't that something that Wigan said exactly 12 months ago when they had Ruby Rosler? Because they were a big side, had some good, good players in there. But in the end, they, they thought so much they can't go down. They did. Do you think you might, might fall into that trap? No, not really. No, not really, because he did it last time. He just, you know, we were awful before Christmas. And uh, he brought a lot of, you know, people in and, and, and the manager changed and, and uh, he turned it around. And that's what will happen if we, if we um, the manager will be changed and it may, maybe bring some fresh blood in. Um, and even if we did go down, then we'd come back up quite quickly. So that's what, she, that's what Sheffield United said as well. But listen, big game on Saturday. Yeah, I know. Fee's coming down. Give us a score prediction. Yeah. It may be that the players have, you know, had a bit had enough after the 3-0 against Preston. Um, we seem to turn it around after being 2-0 down in our last game. Uh, I don't know. Maybe 2-0. Two 2-0. Nil. Two nil. We're about 2 nil. To who? To, to us. To you. <laughs> Listen, Dave, it's good chatting to you. I've got to catch up with you on Saturday by the river. We're coming by cable car. We're getting very excited. No boats this time, but cable car. We'll see you for a few minutes before the match and after the game. We'll see whether or not the your score prediction and my 3-0 Brentford score prediction is right. Is that what are you saying? 3-0. That's what I'm saying. See you later, mate. Bye-bye. So the mobile studio is is, is, is is coming to the end of its trip now, and um, but we've still got a game on Saturday that we need to talk about. The Charlton game. Massive game. Is it a six-pointer? Yeah, it probably is a bit of a six-pointer. Probably not as big a six-pointer as the Rotherham game was, but still a big game. Dutchman, you're looking forward to this game now, aren't you? I think we're all looking forward to it now. Yeah, well, what a difference a couple of wins make. You know, looking at the league table tonight, you realise probably just how low we've fallen in the league um, to get six points together and up to 15th. We're now going there genuinely rather than hoping, thinking that we're going to win. Um, wouldn't take too much into the fact that they're, they're not a good team. That doesn't necessarily mean much for us at the moment. But definitely the confidence, not only from the players, but from the fans, will make Saturday a good one. As, as this podcast goes out, we think Guy Luzon is still going to be in a job. Um, that's good news for Brentford, isn't it, Nick? Or is it? Uh, yeah, well, it's always good news not to be playing a team that uh, has got a new manager because the players are going to... Unless it's Rotherham, of course. Because uh, the players are going to set out to impress. And as I said earlier in the podcast, you know, I mean, I don't think Rotherham... Uh, we were lucky... Well, lucky against Rotherham it could have gone the other way for us um, Charlton I mean I know a mate of mine who uh, saw Charlton on Tuesday night said it was the worst performance that he's seen in a number of years down the valley um, when you say a number of years what one or two years or but 10 or 20 no 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 he was talking he was talking 10 or 20 um, and um, uh, he 
has, he has no confidence going in to Saturday's game. I have to say, I, I, this morning I said to him, well, I'm not certain I've got that much confidence going into the game either, so it could be a pretty dour and dire struggle. The only thing I would hope is that I think we are now better than Charlton. The only thing I would hope is that the team um, doesn't assume that the game is there for the taking. They're going to have to dig in, they're going to have to fight for the result. Um, and while it may not be pretty, I definitely think we can come away from the Valley with a result, which is something we haven't been able to do in recent years. Well, I was about to say that, and I'm trying to count on my fingers. I mean, how many times have we been to Charlton recently? We had the, the cheese boat in uh, uh, 96, I think it was, with the FA Cup, which was a, not a result. Then we came back again. We had another FA Cup game. We've had a few, quite a few league matches. And I, I, don't, I mean, I don't think we've won at the Valley since, since the 80s, have we? I think, didn't we win there about three or four years ago? Um, under, uh, in a cup, it was. Yeah. Uh, it was a night game in yeah, a cup. Yeah, I, 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 I missed yeah, it doesn't count because I didn't see it. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've never seen us win there. My first my first trip to the Valley, I think, was 1981. I think it was. Um, oh, we're in the league. Derek, Derek Hales was playing for him. Yeah, they had, still had that huge colossal right. stand on the side. Right. I think it was condemned at the at the time. Yes. But it was, you know, it was. Yes, the, yeah. It was. The, it, I think it. I think it held like four, <laughs> forty thousand people could stand on it. And there's some some amazing pictures of it full actually um, on uh, Getty. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's. it's, it's it's, a, it's been a, a bit of a horrible place to go for me personally. I go there Saturday um, because I think the pendulum swung our way a bit. I think you're right. I think um, if they can keep their manager um, until the weekend, I think it, it does help us because you know it's, it's going to take a lot for them to go from you know like um, bottom feeders to to, to blooming sharks at the top. So I, I, I think the confidence is low there. I think the pressure's on them to come up with a performance. I think after seeing what I've seen tonight at um, Molyneux, we, we've, we've got the quality there. Um, we need to just put in a, you know, a very well-controlled game plan um, similar to what we had tonight. And I'm sure we can go and do a job, mate. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, actually. I'm looking forward to it as well. It'll be interesting as well. There's a tweet that we put out on Besotted, um, on the Besotted tweet, which actually shows um, the, the teams and basically the amount of goals that they can see to, compared to the amount of shots that they have. And Brentford was pretty much bottom of the pile. and But Charlton were actually just right behind us. Now, this was before the games at the weekend and also the games at Wednesday. So naturally, you would have think that Brentford, especially with its two clean sheets, would have climbed into a more respectable position, whereas Charlton, with their um, loss against Preston, also the loss at the weekend, would have been right in the mire. So it's a really not could be a good position for us. And what it means is that Charlton, if you create chances against them, you'll score. So I think for Brentford, and I think you know them with their stats people, they'll know this. We need to go out. And we need to create lots of chances against Charlton because if we create those chances against Charlton, the more it's going to be more than likely Touchwood. Sorry, Martin, for touching your head there. That, uh, that we're going to score. Charlton fans aren't expecting or hoping for a um, you know a, a, a lucky a lucky draw, a lucky draw or, or they actually want to see a good performance from their team on Saturday. So the, the pressure's on them to come out and attack us. And um, I think you know we, we've got players like Canos and Woods and and um, Durasin who, who can spring that offside trap and can play with pace on the break. And I think it may actually pan out really really well for us. I think they're going to have to come at us, and uh, you know, I think I think we can pick them off. 
pick them off indeed. And, and talking about picking them off, we're, we're picking off on our away games. We've been to away games by all sorts of means. We've done the plane, we've done the train, we've done the so boat, we've, we've done the horse-drawn carriage, which not, I know a lot of not, not fans haven't done a horse-drawn carriage at all, but we actually pull up at uh, Blackpool. Hovercraft? Um, we did a hovercraft no, as well. We no, we didn't actually. No. Uh, we, we, pretended. we did a barge as well to oh, Stoke. Barge, young barge. Uh, the onion barge. We did a barge somewhere else as well. We've done Wembley. all... Oh, barge to Wembley. That was quite bad. Uh, we've done all sorts, but we've never done a cable cart on away game. Walks. Yes, indeed. But no cable car. So Saturday is going to be our first ever cable car to a match. So we we're going to be taking the cable car to Charlton. Um, we found a nice little boozer by the by the, by the, by the river as well. Um, the cable car doesn't actually go to the boozer by the river. But we found a nice little boozer by the river. Mixed Beast fans and Charlton fans. It's, it's kind of slightly out of the way a little bit, but still close enough to walk to the stadium. So we'll be there before the match. So I'm looking forward to this. So boys, just a little bit of a roundup. We've had a good week this week. We're feeling very good. Charlton, I know we're feeling a bit confident, but let's not get too overconfident now. I'm going to go around and ask you boys for a score prediction, Mr. Dutchman. I am going to stay in the confident travelling home vibe and say that we will win that game by one goal to nil and that Tumani will break his duck before the QPR game. Wow, indeed. Nick? Uh, tonight the Bees put on their best away performance so far of the season, possibly their best performance of the season. Let's keep it up on Saturday. 2-1 to the Bees. Dave? 3-1 Brentford. Um, I think we, as I said, well, I think we're going we're gonna to get ourselves set up right. Charlton are going to come at us and we're going to pick them off. And myself, I think, you know, uh, I, I went for the clean sheet um, for the Rotherham match. And um, they scored. Yes, they scored. <laughs> and I was a bit gutted <laughs> about that, to be honest with you. And I didn't think we'd get the clean sheet today, and we got the clean sheet. So I'm going for the clean sheet again at Charlton, and I think we're actually going to beat them 3 0. I'm going to go for it. We're going to pick them off, we're going to get the girl again, and then we'll go bang, bang, and pick them off. So hopefully, happy bees. We're confident here in this portable studio, almost back in West London. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. You can actually get us by going online and going, Pride of West dot London. You can get our podcast there. You can get us besotted.co.uk. You can get those prints as well on besotted.co.uk. There's only a few more left now, so get in there quickly. We have got a big game again on Saturday, but we're going there with a lot of confidence and we're going to have a lot of fun. And hopefully, for the first time in a very long time, we're going to get three points from the mighty, mighty Charlton. And all we can say to that, in this portable studio, it's absolutely amazing. It's like back to the future. 30 years ago, back to the future. And we're like back to the future. We're going back to the back to the present now we can say come on you bees come on you bees away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.